My name is Robin Sharma, and I was just on the Ryan Holtz podcast, and we had quite a time. You're going to absolutely love this episode. This episode is brought to you by Motion Gray Desks. Ryan Holtz is a social media and creative marketing agency owner, husband, father, DJ, global citizen, keynote speaker, and is proud to bring you the Ryan Holtz Show Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Ryan Holtz Show Podcast, the podcasting show that helps you upgrade your life personally and professionally and encourages you to consistently deposit into your soulful currency account. I am blessed, grateful, and so excited for my next guest, Robin Sharma, who really needs no introduction. But what I would love to say is, Welcome home and welcome to the show, my fellow friend. Uh, it's great to be with you, Ryan. Thanks so much for the invitation. Now, you know what? It's it's really interesting because I sent you a message August 13, 2019. I said, Robin, I'd love for you to come on my show. And you got back to me and you were so gracious. And it, was, it wasn't a no, it was just not right now. I'm busy. My head is down. I'm writing my book. Um, and just so you understand the context, Robin, you know, our listeners on the show are, are always looking for ways to, to to up their life, you know, personally and professionally. We have a great mix of people who are professionals and go-getters out there. And I always preach the, the power of, you know, consistency and persistence. And, you know, that's how you're sitting here right now with me. So again, I just want to say thanks so much and, and welcome. You're more than generous and it's great to be with you. Now your book, The Everyday Hero, absolutely incredible. Um, I, I, I just, I, I love the book, uh, but there's a chapter that you have in there and I, I'm going to go through the book a little bit during our conversation. I don't want to give too much away, but I'm going to encourage everybody to go and buy it and we're giving out some of your copies and all that. But on chapter 30, you said, expect the ungrate, expect the ungrateful. You're not giving something to people expecting return. And he actually, you know, encourages expecting gratitude. Uh, uh, this morning I read from Marcus Aurelius's meditations, you know, the great Roman emperor. And he says the same thing, like someone else's be bad behavior is none of your business whatsoever. All you need to do is do your best. Whatever people do by reply is really has nothing to do with you. And I think, you know, I mean, I, I think it's a delicate balance, Ryan. I think we want to hold people to really high standards. We don't want to be around energy vampires and dream stealers. Uh, the people in our lives, we want to hold them to a great standard. Having said that, if you almost understand that the very nature of the human condition is a flawed condition, mm. and if we expect ingratitude, then we're not as easily disappointed. I love that. I love that. What would you say? We had a guest on the show previously, and and I asked him a question. I said, you know, how do we how do we really manage our relationships in our life, and how do we make sure that we try to curate the the, the ones that are going to feed our mission and the, and try to stay away from the ones that maybe aren't? And he broke it down into three phases. He said, well, there's the casual, there's the there's the intimate, and then there's the green room. And he said, the green room is your most coveted area of your life that only certain people. So Robin, you're on stages all the time. I know you've decreased over the last little while because you're doing, you know, some other things, but you've seen a lot of green rooms and you know, in a green room, when you go there, they say, Hey, Robin, you know, here's some refreshments, some snacks. You're more than welcome to bring anybody in there, but only your sacred people are really coming into that green room with you. How would you tell our audience and our listeners to really protect their green room, but try to understand a casual versus an intimate versus a green room, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, I mean, whoever whoever said that to you is, I mean, I, th I think that's a very intelligent concept. For me, I'm, you know, I, I really just don't want people in my life who don't feel my joy. There's a concept I teach called joy is a GPS. And I only want to do work that feels my joy. I only mm. want to go to places that feel my joy. And I only want to populate my life with people who lift my spirits and feel my joy. So even casual I like I won't have an, an associate or someone who's casually in my life who doesn't understand me who's toxic who brings me down who might be unethical the people in my so-called green room I mean it's a very limited number my father once said to me if you've got three great friends you're a rich person indeed I spent a lot of time with my family in a very close circle of friends but my metric is joy is a GPS like the GPS like whoever is bringing me joy those are people who I know I want to be around um, I mean I just trust how I feel I trust my instinct if I'm around someone who just consistently makes me feel bad mm. that is someone that's someone I just don't want in my life if there's someone in who, who I watch is operating like a victim I mean so much of the everyday hero manifesto is about is, is about how ordinary so-called ordinary people can reconnect with and build intimacy with their heroism, their bravery, their creativity, the sparkle in their eye that they lost through the pandemic or as a child. And I just think I want to be around people whose lives I want to be living. Because if 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 you are the most successful person you know, it's probably time to know some new people. Absolutely. Absolutely. You speak, you speak a lot about, you know, being uncommon and, and, and really just trying to find your genius. Uh, page 28, clarity breeds mastery. I, I, as soon as I read this, it was like my heart. I was like, oh my gosh, my heart. It's like you're speaking to, to me and so many other people because, you know, at, I'm 37 now, Robin, but I remember when I was, you know, 21, 22, and I've been a business owner since 24, but I was heavy, heavy into athletics and, and all of that. But I remember looking at the university prospectus and always looking and saying, I don't find anything that I want to, I want to be. And I know you come from an Indian background, the culture, parents are, you know, hey, engineer, doctor, lawyer. It's funny because you could ask a cultured mom and you could say, mom, I'm really successful. I did so many great things. And you could own the hospital as a business person, but you say, Robin, you're not a doctor though. What, what happened? Like they, they really are, are focused on that. My question to you though is, is it and or how do we pick, should we pick? Because you, you wrote a brilliant passage um, below that, basically saying, and I'm paraphrasing, hey, if you're doing too many things, how are you going to master only a few things? And you talked about Thomas Edison. He said, listen, if you're going 16 hours a day at three things, great, but I'm going at it at one. How do we, how do we pick or should we or no? Well, there, there's a lot in that question. It's a very intelligent question. And what I would say is, first of all, there's nothing wrong with being confused because you have to be confused to get to clarity. Yes. So there's that line, right? There's that line in the Everyday Hero Manifesto, clarity breeds mastery. And I talk about, I deconstruct how the Picassos and the geniuses and the great titans and the history makers did it. And one of the things is these people, once they arrived at the clarity of their personal Mount Everests and the magic that they wanted to bring to the world, they become, became monomaniacally obsessed mm. with, that, with that singular mission. Mm. And what makes mastery is the ability to politely and consistently say no. Mm. 
Mm. Right? It's it's better to push one piece of it's better to push one masterwork into the world over your entire career, Ryan, mm. than one thousand than one thousand mediocrities. Mm. And when I look at so many entrepreneurs around the world right now, it's constantly putting out content, constantly writing books, constantly it's I you know. I was in I was in uh, Rome recently, and it took Michelangelo four years to do the, the Sistine the, the ceiling of the Sistine uh, Sistine Chapel. Yeah. And so, the people who speak to my heart are the craftspeople and the business titans and the movement makers who they find a singular vision and they literally are monomaniacally focused on it and nothing else matters. And that way, they don't just dilute their time, their genius, their attention. Their brilliance. Having said that, is there anything wrong with being in a state of your journey where you're confused and try to figure figure things out? Absolutely not. You know, I think I think the very journey of an entrepreneur and the very journey of a human being is it's seasonal. You'll be, you know, in in this let's say a plateau of clarity and you know most of the answers to your biggest questions. And then when you're ready for some growth, maybe it's one idea, one book, one conversation, one new dream and the old part of you must experience a crucifixion for the next part of you to experience a resur- resurrection old beliefs must die for you to get to your next level that process the mystics call it the dark night of the soul what the richard box said what the cat what the caterpillar what the caterpillar sees as the end of the world the master sees as a butterfly so when you're going through deep growth and change it will be messy and confusing is there anything wrong with that no that's just growth coming to get you in wolf's clothing it's so beautiful because i know you were a litigator at age 25 and you said you know it kind of got to the point where you felt like it was almost crushing your soul at one point because you just thought this is this is not for you how do we uncommon people you know what i love about you robin is i i i I love that you're i find you weird and i'm weird and i say it out of the place of graciousness and love because people who do different things differently are very uncommon and i i i i celebrate that but i think about how we have people who are you know 14 15 16 17 18 years old and then we also have people that are you know 68 69 70 but i think about the people that are coming up and i think about how i felt at that age and thinking I really felt the world differently at a very young age. I didn't realize I did because I would question myself, almost like my mechanics of my brain were just not fully developed. But I always would look like even teachers, I'd say, why are they like, no, there's got to be more to this. And I'm a dad. I have a five-year-old king and a, and a two-year-old queen. And one of my fears for my five-year-old, I said to my wife and my wife and I talk about this all the time is once they go to school, they start it's i don't want to say for lack of better words it's almost like a little bit of an assembly line but one teacher said it best to me she said ryan you know schools are designed it's it's a very old school design and sometimes you know schools are great for many reasons but they can really try to shake that uncommon being out of you what would you say to that for you and i know you're a a father but how do we teach leadership into our children from a very very early age and i know you talk about your son a lot as well yeah and you're right i've got a son and a daughter um you know in the everyday hero manifesto i said we are born into genius and we are resigned into mediocrity Mm. Uh, picasso said it beautifully he said it took me four years to learn how to paint like Raphael. it Mm. took me a life it took me a lifetime to remember how to paint 
like a child. And you talk about weird and, and strange and the, the, the people who have changed the world were all freaks, pirates, and misfits. Mm. And I would say to everyone watching, honor your pirate, misfit, freakish nature because that is one of your absolute gifts. And if you see the world differently and you want to abide by different values that are not popular in this world, and if your family wants you to be an accountant or a lawyer, but you want to be a baker or a, or a filmmaker, instinct is so much more power than intellect and trust your instinct because you're your most noblest self that's what the everyday hero concept is all about you have an everyday hero inside of you that is wiser than what the world is telling you to do mm. i wasn't happy as a lawyer i was successful i mm. became happy when i trusted my instinct and i started writing these books etc etc so i would say we are born into genius and then the world starts a programming process and it teaches us a story and it's exactly what you're suggesting well think like the status quo do not be unorthodox operate like everyone else get up at the same time everyone else think like everyone else dress like the influencers and live your life like that and that's a great way to dishonor your genius and end up at 50 60 70 or the last hour of your last day saying okay i did what the crowd was but i never got to know myself live my promise and be true to myself mm, i i love that it's it's so interesting i i love knowledge that's why i love i love your work i'm, I'm super excited to Thank talk you. to you because you're, you're you're just Thank great you. And on behalf of the world and my family and my wife, who's heard your name and our household for the last, I don't know, two weeks, because you've been on the TV and going crazy. We just want to, I just want to say thank you because, you know, I, I, I think one question I'd like to know is how does it feel when you see somebody hold part of your soul, your work and your heart in their hand on an everyday basis? Like somebody's touching, this is you. How does yeah, that I feel? Mean, it's a brilliant question. I don't know if I've ever been asked that. Uh, the Everyday Hero Manifesto, I wrote it over 16 months in the pandemic. Mm. You know, we, we couldn't travel and um, it allowed me to just basically inhabit the book, you know. I re rewrote it probably 22 times mm. and I put my heart and my soul in it. I talked about my struggles, my tragedies. Mm. Um, I, I, I thought I, I tried to put my best information, my best models in it. and. I mean, I really, I re it really was a, a true labor of love for me. Mm. And, and I don't think I've ever been as vulnerable. I mean, I write about one of the early chapters that time, 10 years of my journals were stolen from me. Yeah. I write about, you know, some of the betrayals and share the lessons learned so other people don't have to make them. So when I put that out in the world, how does it feel when someone's holding it? Or, you know, it's become one of the best selling books in the world right now. Um, mm. It, I don't think I'm so special. I'm just doing my job. I'm a humble servant. Uh, it feels good to be helpful for people. But, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it's, uh, it's an honor to serve. It's an honor to help. Mm. But do I feel wow that the book is out there? I, I, I'm just, I don't know if this makes sense, but I just feel I'm doing my job. You know, it, it, I love that. It's interesting because you know, I think a good definition of success for some people, not everybody, but, you know, personal mastery that impacts the masses is a really good starting point, I think. And I feel like for you, especially when you talk in this book, you're giving us a lot of 
information about you and I've watched a lot of your interviews and whatnot. One of my favorite interviews of you actually is from Tom Bilyeu of Impact Theory. Um, I just felt like it was a fantastic conversation. Um, I've watched it probably 10 times because it's just one of those things where you're like, okay, I need my, my brain to re retain this. But um, you talk about, you know, <laughs> you talk about eating chocolate croissants and you talk about, you know, gorging on some pizza and you, and you say this line and I love this in the book. You say, I am no guru. You know, I'm very much human. And, you know, for I love that because we read a lot of books. There's a lot of personal development books. There's a lot of leadership books out there. And sometimes you can see the authors taking a stance of very, I like people that kind of talk with you. You know, they, it's like you're, me and you are talking virtually, but I, I, I just picture you and I are at the table together right now and we're, hey, Robin, how's it going? Hey, Ryan, how's it going? And I feel like those are the best conversations. For you, I mean, what, like, how is, how have you came to that? Like just this, introspective uh quest of yourself because if you didn't do that all the people that are really succeeding and benefiting from your work they wouldn't be there there wouldn't be what you're doing i i think uh, i mean <clears throat> marshall McLuhan said it really well he said that which is most personal is that which is most universal and when I share my when I share my flaws and my scars and I reveal what my human journey has been you know the the, the times at the top of the mountain the periods in, in the darkest valley the times when you know I've made mistakes it, you know that that just makes me real there's um there's there's a movie it's a Jeremy Renner movie that I mentioned in the everyday hero manifesto and in that movie, the, his character says, you know, if you look into anyone's life, what you see is a three-ring circus. Mm. And to me, that was a very powerful thing, which is we all wear a social mask. We all yes. go in this world, especially in this oh. social media world. Yes. And the reality is we have gifts oh. and we have, we have genius. And we all have, I mean, there's a great there's a great line. It's like every, everyone seems normal until you get to know them. Yes. And, and so... <laughs> Right. And so, so I think the more healing I do, the more prayer I do, the more meditation I do, the more I work with spiritual healers, the more, you know, I, I've been to Robin Island two times and I stood in Nelson Mandela's prison cell. And the more I get exposed to how great human beings have lived, the more I steadily decrease the loud chatter of my ego and my and I, and I turn up the silent whispers of a more wise self. And I'm not saying I'm some kind of a guru, but it's been the process when I, when I run the methodologies that I talk about in the Everyday Hero Manifesto, when I live those practices, when I calibrate my morning routine, my, my work routine, my pre-sleep rituals, when I read the right books, when I run the right protocols, they really do work. Do they, do they transform your, for, your life in a day? No, it's a, it's a process, but each day, each workout, each practice, there is a payoff and incrementally you reclaim more of what the world has caused us to lock, to lose. And that is the power of personal mastery work and emotional healing. And I talk a lot of in the book, everyone's talking about mindset. I think it's not just mindset. There's the four interior empires that I've introduced mindset, which is your psychology, heart set, which is your emotionality because we have emotions and if you don't heal your emotions you're going to repress them and be carrying that dark energy which actually affects your positivity productivity creativity mm. you know then there's your heart set which is your, your physiology 
and your soul set, which is mm. your spirituality. If you don't work mm. on your soul set, people, entrepreneurs might say, why do I need to work on my soul set? Well, if you work on your soul set, you're going to be serving your higher power and finding a cause that's larger than yourself, which will give you energy and you'll run through walls and you want to change the world. So all I'm saying is I've been on this journey of, of personal development, self-mastery for very intensely for 22 years. And the more I get to know myself, the more my ego is less loud and I just want to serve and I just want to help people. Robin Sharma, when your son comes in or your daughter comes in and says, I don't care about Robin Sharma, you're dad. You're just dad. I mean, how did that, like, how do you balance between I've had really great guests on and I ask, I like to ask this question because some people are like, well, my kids for the longest time, when I came through the door, they're like, listen, mom, dad, relax. The show's done. I know you're on stages all the time. We just want you to come watch a movie and eat some popcorn. Just chill with us. How did becoming a dad change you, but evolve over the time where you're, I'm doing worldly work, global work, but then I'm also doing my family work. And you talked about in the book, you said, listen, your business is nothing more than conversations. Your family is nothing more than conversations, basically. This to me was powerful. And you said, if you stop having those conversations, things are not gonna, things aren't gonna go to a good place probably. Yeah, when, when my kids were younger, <clears throat> they're, they're 27 and 25 now, but when they were younger, if they mm. said, yeah, we, we don't care who you are in the world, you're just daddy, I'd, um, I'd make them sleep with my book for a few nights, just to, <laughs> just to, just to, just to, you know, just to get the programming in. No, all joking aside, um, you know, I, I love the fact that I'm, I, I'm, I'm just dad, and and again, I don't think I don't think I'm anything special. So, so, what what was the question about the kids? The question was basically just how have you, how has the kids kind of changed, you know, maybe your journey, but kind of balancing back and forth. I'll give you an example from myself. I'm, I'm a new dad, five years old is my oldest, and it was a game changer. Now, one of my dreams as a young uh, boy was always to be a dad. I didn't have a dad. I was raised by a single mom. My mom passed away at a young age. So my motivation is very, very derived from a lot of pain and suffering. And I thought becoming successful, making money would, would really calibrate true happiness. And when I started to make some money and got some little success, <laughs> I was sorely wrong. <laughs> and that's where I came out with the soulful currency kind of account for me where I said, there's vibe currency, there's monetary currency, there's humanity currency. There's so many different forms of currency that we're putting in. My question just simply to you was, how has maybe balancing dad and being a world, you know, wow, how how is that? Is that tough? Is it hard? Do you love it? Is it something that you learn on a daily basis? Yeah, it, it hasn't been a hard balance. Like I go off and do my thing on when I used to do a lot of speaking tours and then I come home and I'm, I was always there at the soccer games, at the Christmas concerts, the, 
the drum lessons for Bianca, the swimming lessons for the kids. I taught them to ski. There was a mountain close to our home. So weekends we'd be doing that. We spent a ton of time together. Um, I, I really didn't have a lot of problem balancing it. I, I'm just really good at scheduling and in the Everyday Hero Manifesto, there's an entire chapter where I share my methodology. It's called the Weekly Design System. Here's a quick look of this week right here and what wow. it looks like. And that wow. has been absolutely central to me. Uh, whatever productivity I've achieved, it's been because of that process. And I walk people through the entire process and I give them a download of the worksheet and I give them a teaching video in that chapter of the Everyday Hero Manifesto because I believe very much, and you were suggesting this as well, Ryan, but um, success without soulfulness is a very, very empty victory. And, you know, someone sent me a DM on Instagram the other day and it's like, how can I become a billionaire? And there's this thing going around like, you know, I need to be a billionaire, like uh, people wanting to be billionaires. And, yeah. you know, first of all, I've, I've mentored a lot of billionaires for yes. a quarter of a century. And many of them, money is all they have. A lot of them are incredibly unhappy. Uh, they don't have any free time. So soulfulness is even more important than success. And I think, you know, I once heard Warren Buffett say, he said, you know, what's the secret of success? And he said, well, know your score, know your scoreboard for success and then follow your own scoreboard. Mm. And so mm. for me, I have this, this eight forms of wealth and money's only one of them and family's one of them. And service to the world is one of them and fitness is one of them and loving your craft is one of them. And being around the right people, like the right mentors who lift you up. And I think that kind of balance brings a lot more happiness than material things because John Cabot Zinn, the Zen philosopher said it really well. He said, wherever you go, there you are. And if, you know, so it's like you get all the money you've always wanted and it's, yeah, but you're still with yourself and all your flaws and all your insecurities and then you just want more. And so I think, you know, it's, it's, it's being soulful and actually loving yourself and seeing the value in yourself, even if you're sweeping streets, that brings a lot more bliss than lots of money in the bank. Absolutely. You talk a lot. I, you talk a lot about, uh, I, I know I seen your recent Instagram post about you're writing a, a poem on a, on a napkin, <laughs> ah. <laughs> which I think is really great. But it, as soon as you, I seen that, it popped me from one part of your part of the book, the everyday hero. And you talked about, you know, a gentleman that you're basically on the airplane with and, you know, you're sitting in a seat and he kind of says, hey, like, I, I would like that seat. And you said, well, I kind of want to be in the seat. I'm sitting in it right now. And you talked a lot about how you could tell he's not addressing his inner stuff because he basically said to you, well, you know, I'll deal with you later. I like that because it point it popped out to me because I'm I love practical. Um, I love practical, tactful, you know, hacking information on life because this happens to everybody on a daily basis, Where whether you're standing at a grocery line. And I love the way you broke it down and you said by him, by him and his actions of basically saying, well, you know, you're not getting out of the seat. You know, I'm going to talk to you about it after. He said, you know, you could tell a lot about what's going on in his internal. How do we pause that moment like Robin Sharma and not react and be like, yo, man, beat it where you took the other road and said, I, I'm, I'm empathetic to how this gentleman feels, even though he's not being the nicest person, maybe there's stuff behind that that's causing that. How do we stop and freeze frame those moments? Because I think as humanity, especially what's going on in the world, if we could just stop and freeze that moment 
Wow. Well, that's, it's a very intelligent and interesting question. And I would say, first of all, there's a difference between being kind and being weak. And I would say, I would say number two, in reply to your, your great question, pick your battles. <laughs> You're, you don't need to be policeman, police person of the universe. You don't need to, sometimes there's, there's people and they're teaching, let's say emotional healing or personal mastery. It's like every single situation, speak your truth. You must set your boundaries. And, and I think, I think there are some instances, like you want to have a delicate hand. There are some, some instances where good judgment means let it go. It's, it's just not worth it. And there are some battles where you say that just went too far. It's against my values. I will not be disrespected. But here's the thing. You can say what you want as long as you say it with respect. I think yes. so many people, they don't have the communication skills to stand up for themselves and, and not be mistreated, but do it in a way that doesn't activate the other person. Third thing I'd say, uh, the you can... The greater the overreaction, if it's hysterical, it's historical. Mm. So you can tell if someone is coming at you, you know, driving after you in a car because they perceived you cutting them off, or yep. and it's just this incredible insanity. You can be you can be guaranteed it very it has very little to do with you. You just stepped on an old big wound that they're not aware of, and it's coming out at you. That gives you understanding. And Ryan, understanding is the DNA of, of empathy and forgiveness. When someone has hurt you, let's say in a relationship, We've all had relationships where someone's betrayed us or hurt us or mm. like just really mistreated us. Mm. When you start to go, well, they did the best that they could do based on where they're at. And basically their behavior doesn't have a lot with me. I will look in the mirror and see my part, but mm. that, that crazy reaction is their old stuff. Then how can you be angry because they just are caught up in their own ancient wounding. And it does give you some level of empathy and it gives you some level of ability to forgive. And I, I, the fourth thing I'd say is Confucius said it best, before you go off to seek revenge, it's best to dig two graves. Ooh, ooh, ooh. You know, the thing I realized about you too, especially is, I, you know, for lack of better words, I think you're a gracious beast because yeah. uh, um, the, reason I, the, reason I, the reason I say that is, you know, you, you, you speak so eloquently and the way you handle yourself is is very, you know, virtuous. But I, I love, like you mentioned it earlier, you said, um, I, when I talk to people, I, I'm trying to get, I hate small talk, I'll be honest. I don't like small talk. I find it boring. I don't, I don't do small talk. I like to figure out where somebody who's presenting themselves as normal, I always try to figure out, okay, show me the weird. Like once yeah. I start seeing the weird, I get excited. Uh, you know, it could be a casual conversation. And if I feel like somebody's giving me their weird, it brings me in more because I feel like for by them giving me some of their weird, it's they're being a little vulnerable. And vulnerable to me is confidence. And it, it, that it, that's very attractive. And I always say there's, you know, seduction in conversation. And, you know, I kind of went and asked you the question about how do we freeze frame those moments? And it's, you know, there's that famous saying where it says, you know, don't raise your voice, raise your intelligence. 
at, when you're in an argument. And I think that sometimes it's easier said than done, but when executed, absolutely incredible. Your friend Mohammed at the Dubai airport, people got to read the book, I'm telling you, this is, this is beautiful, okay? Um, I'll be honest, I seen you with the hat on. I said, oh my gosh, Robin, but was it washed? Like, did we clean the hat first before we put on the head? Like, what's going on? But anyways, rejection. Oh, and you talk about even yourself. You're like, you know, still to this day, I sometimes will think, hey, maybe I should ask, or maybe I should. And you know, you miss out on these glorious moments. Could you tell our listeners right now about rejection and what they're missing out on in a different experience? Oh, how much of our lives we miss because of a fear of being rejected. Mm. And the through line of so many good people's lives that really limits them is a fear of rejection. They don't start the business because they're a fear, there's a fear of rejection or being misunderstood. They don't walk up to someone that could change their life because there's a fear of rejection. They don't launch their masterwork into the world because they think, what if the world doesn't love what I do? Vincent Van Gogh only sold two paintings over the course of his lifetime. He didn't become Vincent Van Gogh until he died, but he still pushed magic into the world. So do your work and live your life, not for the applause of the majority, but because it honors your promise that it's the right thing to do. So this fear, I mean, and it's a practice, you know, going back from everything you were, were afraid to do. And yeah, I mean, I still feel it. I still feel like, and I still get rejected, you know? Yes. Um, I, w- I was in Rome recently and, and Conor McGregor was walking out of this store and there's this huge crowd and I just, I, you know, I didn't want to go over, but I, I, I said to my partner, Al, I said, if he happens to walk right up to me, I'll chat with him. And so, interestingly enough, he walks through the crowd and it's like, he's right in front of me. And I had a copy of the Everyday Hero Manifesto and I was just like getting ready to give it to him, you know, and he just like looked very quickly and he just continued to walk. Now, uh, this isn't about Conor McGregor. I'm sure he, I'm sure he had better things to do than to chit chat with me. And he's a very famous man and he's a very accomplished athlete. But the point is I've been in this field of personal mastery for 26 years. And I, you know, I, I, I still showed up. And I think the moment you start, show, you stop showing up. You say, I'm too successful to go to the seminar. I'm too successful to walk over to that person who I admire and start a conversation. I'm too successful to, to, to listen to Ryan's new podcast episode. I'm too successful to learn something new. That's the beginning of decline. Yeah, I think we get, we have to be really aware of this neurobiological instinct towards rejection because we are a tribal and then overcome it by stepping into it each and every day. Well, I love that. You know, you, you've kind of touched on one of your seven, uh, seven threats to world class. And it's nice to hear that you're, 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 you're living what you're, you're, you know, you're walking your talk literally, which I think is great. Discomfort is growth in wolf's clothing. 
I heard you say this. It's a it's a dagger. Oh, it's a dagger. I just love it because it's it's just such a. Uh, uh, I've heard you say it a few times. And the first thing I do is I I look at the reaction of the person that you're saying it to. Uh, you said it on Impact Theory, and and I remember Tom's reaction was like, really? Like, whoa, what do you, what do you mean by that? Discomfort is growth in wolf's clothing. I mean, can we can we unpack that for people listening? Because, you know, people like the headlines, and I feel like that is a headline. That's massive. Well, I think what, I, I mean, I've, I, as I've mentioned, I've worked with a lot of the world's most successful uh, business entrepreneurs and there's a human tendency to get to the top of the mountain and then spend the rest of your life playing golf and just having a life of ease and that's not the route to legendary the route to legendary is constantly putting yourself in situations of discomfort because it's it's unpleasant but that's where your growth lives Mm. Um, one of my friends is one of the world's most successful authors and he took a year off I mean, he could he, he lived a life of luxury and he took a year off and lived in a, a very small motel not a hotel he lived in a motel just to get his feet back on it on the ground and write his next book and so I think our culture sells us this bill of goods which is handcraft a life where everything is easy but your mm. growth doesn't live with easy your growth lives with difficulty and so the real titans and the real legends and the real the real superstars are people who constantly almost daily go to the places that terrify them and cause them to remember more of their promise and their abilities i, I watched kobe bryant's last game the other day it's on it's on youtube and you know, it was his 20th, 20th, 20th season, last game. He's a total, he's a, he's a, he's, he's, a, he's iconic. Yes. And the Lakers were from behind and he just literally went into the pocket and scored 60 points and whatever. Why do I bring up Kobe Bryant? I think he was 20 seasons into the NBA. But look how he practiced. Look how he showed up. You know, so he understood that world-class doesn't come from doing what's easy world-class what's doing what's comes from what's doing difficult so i would say to all of your viewers your listeners from around the world have the difficult conversations read the difficult books take the difficult trips put your hand up for the most difficult project at work start the difficult business that no one has the guts to do you know take the take the difficult route and it won't mean that your life is always pleasant but actually it's the great it's a great secret I don't, I don't like the word secret but it's a great formula <laughs> for happiness because there is no happiness in coasting along and doing the easy things happiness comes from completing difficult things yes 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 and self-respect as you noted right keeping those promises to ourselves is, is something that's extremely extremely crucial you know i'm a naturally i'll be honest i'm a naturally kind of skeptical sometimes person and i'm i throw things that are easy into the skepticism so crazily like if it's easy i start questioning it there's something weird about this situation you know right away but if it's hard i program to think there's probably something really good at the end of this you know if we if we go through it and do the work and I, and I find that when I talk to a lot of people, they do the opposite. 
right? So I, I try to, you know, you know this, listen way more than you talk, but observe the marketplace, observe what people are doing. I try to spend my time as much with my kids and people who are 65 plus. So I live in an area that's all retired. And so I, I look at my kids, curious. I love that curious. My head's always on a swivel. I, I think about Robin. I'm like, what's his favorite cologne? I'm always so curious, you know, like he likes to eat food and all these things. And then I look at my neighbors who are 65 plus, you know, they were, they were orthodontists, they were lawyers, business owners. And I'm, I ask myself, why is ex neighbor so happy, so content? And then ex neighbors, miserable, lots of money. But why is one so happy and one so miserable? But I don't, I don't ask it to be snarky. I ask it just as a legitimate, I try to study that because, you know, I'm in my thirties. So I always think what, like, how do we get there for you? Would you say you're a lot different than that 25 year old litigator? Or would you say I've just really grew that 25 year old litigator? Um, I believe we are born into certain talents that make up our makeup. Mm. I have a lot of the fire that I had when I was that litigator. I, I love books. I am wildly curious. My dad said a book, a house with book, home with books is a beautiful home. Um, I love to learn. I love to serve. My dad said to me when I was growing up, he said, Robin, when you were born, you cried while the world rejoiced. Live your life in such a way that when you die, the world cries while you rejoice. Those are the kind of values I was brought up with. So I, I, I'm, I still have those attributes because they're part of who I am. I still want to do things amazingly well. Having said that, you know, over all those years since I was 25, I've also hopefully grown in a lot of wisdom. I hopefully have healed a lot of emotional wounding that we all pick up. There's a chapter in the Everyday Hero Manifesto that people are finding extraordinarily valuable. And it's it's the chapter, trauma is a teacher. And a lot of people are looking for productivity tools. They're looking for creativity tools. And they want to how to bring more prosperity in their life. And they're looking at external strategies and many of those work. And I teach them in the book. Having said that, if you have shame and guilt and anger and sadness and disappointment and frustration locked within you, Carl Jung, the great psychologist called it your shadow. That is what's sabotaging your business, your relationships, your productivity, your fitness. And that's where the work needs to do. So the more work I did even in that sphere, the more I've grown. So part of me is the same and yet part of me is hopefully a lot wiser and gentler and um, more of a humble servant when i was standing in nelson mandela's prison cell the the guide was a um, had served with nelson mandela because mm. he was a former anc prisoner so i said of course you know how long did you know nelson mandela he said seven years i said of course same thing you say right i said like, what was he like and the first thing the guard <laughs> said he said you know, he said, hmm, oh, that man was a humble servant. Mm. And and I've never, that day changed my life and I've never forgotten that. I think, you know, hopefully I'm more of a humble servant as I go through life because 
you know, even the longest life is a very short ride. And all we end up at, at the end is a pile of ashes on someone's mantle over their fireplace <laughs> next, to their, next to their little league trophies. And yes. I was reading Marcus Aurelius even, and he called it, he called it the, the wag, he called it the tongues of prosperity, the, the tongues of posterity. And, you know, there's a chapter in the Everyday Hero Manifesto. Everyone's talking about legacy. I say, forget about legacy. Who cares what the tongues of posterity say about you when you're dead? You're going to be dead. Forget about legacy. Live while you're alive. I love that. Robin, I got to get you on your way. Uh, second last question, though. Um, you talk about this so much. Your phone is costing your fortune. You know, stop looking for the likes. How has the Robin Sharma brand, and I own a brand agency, it's what we do, but I break down brand, I say be remarkable and not disappointing. A brand <laughs> was best defined by Marty Neumeyer, and a brand is simply how you make somebody feel, how a product or service makes somebody feel. How have you built a massive online following? And I mean, you'll go dark for a month. <laughs> like uh, algorithms don't like that. I'm, and I'm just gonna be honest, but how have you, mastered that to say I'm not like I'm I love social I use it as a brand tool and all that how have you came up with a great system to put your phone away do your deep genius work and then come back a great question again um I mean there's so much digital cocaine out there it's unbelievable and mm. we all know about the dopamine loop and we all know how addictive a lot of these technologies are I think technology is and, and digital and social media for example is a phenomenal servant but it's a tyrannical master and so just to get right to it like how do i get my work done and then how do i connect with people on social media it comes down to my schedule and so you know and i talk a lot about it and i explain my protocols yep. in the everyday hero manifesto but to deliver some value I, I on my schedule there are blocks of time and certain days are allocated for certain things monday and wednesday are my operational days i'm, I'm dealing with the team i'm dealing with emails i'm on social media mm. tuesdays and thursdays are my creative days i go dark so right now i'm in a hotel room my mm. phone is on dnd my front door is on dnd no one can get me for the next 12 hours. After I finish with you, most of the day, I'm gonna be creative. And then I, I drop into flow state. That's the term of Mihai Csikszentmihalyi at the University of Chicago. But how do you break away from your phone? You turn off your phone, you turn off your devices, or you, you, put, them, you, know, you put it on airplane mode, and you find a place where the world can't reach you because all geniuses have one thing in common. They worked, they had a place that they would work that was their studio or their lab that was away from the world. And they would work alone for many hours on their biggest problem. They were not, they were not checking their phone because if you're always checking your phone, you never get into flow state, which is the place where genius lives. We all have this ability to get into flow state. It's not just the Picassos and the Rembrandts and the Beethovens and the Elon Musks, but most we want we want our genius, but we're not willing to structure our environment and set up our work schedule in a way that will tap into our latent human genius. I love that. Thank you. And everybody listening, Robin talks so much about that in the book. 
Last question, Robin, and I'm so excited to hear your answer on this one. What can I do for you, my friend? Oh, I think, um, I think be alike. Christopher Morley said, you know, rather than cur- rather than cursing the darkness, light the candle. Mm. And I think, you know, the more you do what you do and the more you present your everyday heroism to the world and the more <laughs> you, you know, bring love and mastery and exemplify all the values that we've been talking about with all your many, the people who trust you, then you're going to influence them and there's going to be cascading through the world. So I just say, keep on aiming for your highest and greatest and best and continue to do it with integrity and love and honor. And that's going to affect all the people who follow you and trust you. And, and, and it's going to just continue and it's subtly going to make the world a better place. I love that. And everybody, I will link to Robin's book. As I said on social media, we'll be giving out several copies of this book. It, and it is a beautiful read. It, I, I'm, you know, I, I have a little ADD happening in my brain sometimes, but this is a beautiful, marvelous read. You guys are going to love it. Robin, thank you so much. Have a flow state, my friend. You're, you're a good man. I really uh, appreciated the research and the passion. And thanks for the invitation, Robin. We're so glad you enjoyed this episode of the Ryan Holtz Show podcast. Please don't forget to smash that five-star review as Team Holtz will love you for it. Also, say hi to Ryan anywhere on social media using the handle at Ryan Holtz 1. That's R-Y-A-N-H-O-L-T-Z, the number one. And if you or your business is looking to expand your brand, book a brand jam with Ryan using the link in the show notes. 